0: We are in a series right now called The Lost Arts, and it seems to me that there are things that are vital, that are important, that are so essential to our walk with God, to the Christian life, that um, if we're not careful, that we will lose sight of, that they won't get uh, embraced by the next generation, they won't be handed down, and we're in a season of incredible change on planet Earth. I mean, the last... 20 years has been just massive in the change that has happened, and obviously we're feeling the ripple effects of change across every part of our society, especially in the body of Christ. And so we wanted to come back and uh, highlight some things that we thought were incredibly important for us as followers of Jesus. Today I want to talk about the most important characteristic that I think any Christian can have. And I'll just say this if you're not a Christian, uh, this is the most important char- characteristic that any person could have, okay? Um, my oldest son told me a joke a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's pertinent because we live in Houston. So a man was stranded on his housetop during a flood. Okay, the the waters were rising, he could tell they were rising, he decides to climb on his roof, he's a man of faith, and so he prays, God, please rescue me from this flood. Well, a, a man in a rowboat comes by and says, jump down and hop in the boat. The guy says, no, thank you, I'm praying that God will rescue me from this flood, man shrugged and moved on he kept praying god please save me from this flood and then a man in a motorboat comes by he's like sir jump down like we'll take you to safety no no thank you it's it's okay i'm a man of faith i'm praying that god will rescue me from this flood the water keeps rising. It's, it's almost, you know, to the rooftops and a helicopter flies over and over the loudspeaker says, sir, grab this rope and we will pull you to safety. And the man says, no, thank you. I'm praying that God will rescue me from this flood. The man dies in the flood. He gets to heaven and he finally has a moment to ask God, where were you? why didn't you rescue me? And the Lord says, I sent a rowboat, I sent a motorboat, and I sent a helicopter. What more did you expect? I just want to ask you, what more do you expect? Because I have a hunch that every one of us needs more wisdom than we currently have right now that we have stuff in our life. If you're a parent, you you probably feel this all the time. There's things with your kids. If they're little kids or they're medium-sized kids or they're grown kids, you still have things that you're kind of like, what do we do about this? God, would you please give me wisdom? Because I don't know what to do about this. Or maybe it's your work. It's your, your big career decision. It's something going on in your life. And you're saying, God, please help me. And what would keep you from missing what might be right in front of you? I wanna talk today about what it means to be teachable, the character quality of being teachable. And I believe that it might be in short supply. It might be a lost art, the lost art of being teachable or teachability. We're gonna be in Proverbs chapter 15. If you need wisdom, it's a great place to go. And so we're gonna be looking at Proverbs chapter 15. And if you know the Proverbs, the Proverbs are kind of like um, they're they're different from other texts in the Bible, and that almost every sentence is a complete thought. I was thinking this week, how great would it be if we had Proverb like fortune cookies? Like when you ate a meal and you opened it, and it was a proverb, I just think that would be great, but no one's ever come up with that before, so that's my million dollar idea, and if you wanna take that and run with it, go for it. God bless you. Just tie it to the church, it'll be okay. I think that this might be threatened, and here's why. Number one is mistrust. We're not sure who to trust anymore, am I right? Polarization in our nation has made it to where the lines have been drawn so deeply that we, like all we know how to do, is just throw mud at the other side, and we're not quite sure who to trust anymore. We have leadership failures that that abound, obviously uh, in the church and beyond the church. We have one stream of Christianity making YouTube videos against another stream of Christianity, (laughs) and you can go down that rabbit hole if you want to. We have one well-known preacher calling out another well-known preacher, and we're not sure who to trust anymore. Another is the erosion of authority structures in our life. Family, education, government, the police, the church. And many aren't even sure that there is a true and a right way to do anything anymore. An erosion of authority information technology, young ones, even me, when you have a question, what do you do? You Google it, right? How many times have you been at dinner and someone says something, you're like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. And of course, what do you do? You pull out your phone and you Google it and you're like, here's the answer. And so we're more likely to Google something than we are to go to a trusted person and say, what should I do about, fill in the blank. Information technology. And let's be honest, our own stubbornness and pride is probably one of the top reasons why this might be a lost art. Instead of being teachable people, we become defensive. And there's a bit of this in our American culture that's a little bit rebellious, right? We told the British, like, sorry. And we have this pioneer ethos that's a part of the makeup of being an American that's just sort of, we're going to go and we're going to make it happen. We're going to do this. And no one's going to tell me what to do, right? We have the the idea of a self-made man or a self-made woman, And uh, we see this in all of our movies and films. Like, your parents, they don't understand you. They don't know what to do. And you're going to have to defy their advice and go and prove everyone wrong because they're just trying to hold you back, right? We have our own stubbornness and our own pride. And the last thing, the reason why I think it's, it's maybe threatened is that God's commands are always counterintuitive to us. To go up, you go down. To be blessed, you give instead of receive. Like it's, it's always upside down. And so there's reasons why I think this is becoming a lost art, but Proverbs speaks so beautifully. And what I'm going to do is just take a few Proverbs from the same chapter because it's one of those where it's a thought and then a different thought and a different th- thought, and there's a thread, a theme. And we're going to follow the theme of teachability. And Proverbs 15, I'm going to read verse 5. It says this a fool despises his father's discipline but a person who accepts correction is sensible in verse 12 a mocker doesn't love one who ex- who corrects him he will not consult the wise verse 22 plans fail when there's no counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And then verses 31 through 33. One who listens to life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise. Anyone who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever listens to correction acquires good sense. The fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches and humility comes before honor this is the word of the lord so here we have the book of proverbs a book written largely by solomon and it's full of these sayings of wisdom and each one of them is you know a thought that we should consider and it's talking over and over again about being teachable, uh, being able to accept correction in verse five, um, the, the one who doesn't love, the one who corrects him, who won't consult the wise, then we have those who have plans they're making and they, they, you know, if you don't get advice, if you're not teachable, it'll fail. So get lots of advice, lots of advisors, lots of counsel. And then the one who listens to life-giving rebukes, the one who listens to correction, those who ignore discipline. Over and over again, it's a theme throughout the entire book of Proverbs to be teachable people. And I think it's the most important quality that you could have. I just want to talk about what are the blessings of being teachable, like why should we embrace a teachable spirit? Well, the first thing is this, and it's the point of Proverbs, is you'll be wiser if you're a teachable person. You'll be wiser. I uh, listened to a seasoned church leader who was sharing about coaching other churches and leaders, and he said um, kind of humorously that he found that the ones who needed help didn't want it. And the ones that were hiring him to come and consult their churches and, and coach them, he's like, they didn't need it. You know why? Because teachable people are already wise people. The ones who were asking for help, he found it's like, it's just like a little thing, a little nudge here and there, and they were on it. They didn't need it. And here's the thing, if you think you're smart, then you probably won't be very teachable. But according to what we just read, it's actually really smart to be teachable, right? Verse 5, a fool despises his father's discipline, but a person who accepts correction is sensible. It's a sensible thing to be teachable, in verse 12, like we talked about, avoiding failure by listening to people who have something to contribute to whatever it is that we're endeavoring to do. I, uh, I think it's humorous that we uh, resist learning from other people's mistakes, right? We, we resist that. But last time I went you know, in a place where there was dangerous things, maybe if you've been uh, on a tour where you had to go on some terrain that was maybe near a ledge, or you went to a you know, carnival and you're riding a roller coaster. Like nobody wants to be the first person to fall off of that thing, right? Like that would be terrible. Thankfully, They've put some things in place because they learned something from the other guy dying, right? I would love to learn from the other guy dying, amen? Amen. (laughs) You'll be wiser if we can learn from others. In verse 32, he said "To to ignore discipline and be unteachable, it just harms you. It just harms you. The second reason you'll have better relationships. Why is that? Because no one likes a know-it-all, right? You you have that friend. You all probably have a friend, right? You have the friend, and whatever you're talking about, they already know. They know everything about it, and they will not. You can't show them, you can't tell them anything new, because they're like, I know. I know, I know. Let me tell you, right? Because they know everything. And you probably don't hang out with that person as much as you hang out with people that are not know-it-alls. You will have better relationships. I like how in verse 31 he says they would be at home among the wise. At home among the wise. A teachable person. You see, our pride is rooted in our insecurity, It's a fear that others will find out that we don't know everything about everything. Guess what? We already know that you don't know everything about everything because I don't know everything about everything, which means I can learn from you and you can learn from me. We can be teachable. We can be willing to learn from God and from others. In Proverbs 13, 10, it says that um, arrogance leads to nothing but strife. But wisdom is gained by those who take advice. Do you have a lot of conflict in your life? Could it be that there's an unteachableness in your heart, an unwillingness to take advice? advice from other people. You'll have better relationships. Third, you will be a usable instrument in God's hands, a usable instrument in God's hands. Here's the thing is whenever we are rooted in arrogance and pride and we're unteachable, there's that whole scripture that says God opposes the proud, but he embraces the humble. That God can work with anything He can work with crazy fishermen, He can work with tax collectors, He can work with uh, uh, all kinds of people, whatever your background, whatever your story, whatever you would think would like block you from being used by God, nothing can stop you being used by God except for this one thing: pride, arrogance, and it will keep you from being a usable instrument in the hands of God. Pastor Rick Warren says that an unteachable person is an unreachable person. You've probably found that to be true. I have a a picture that I often will use in our greenhouse training, which is our our leadership uh, training track and it's a picture of a wooden bucket. I think I have this, yes, right there. So you know the old wooden buckets and they have the different staves. And if, if you were to take uh, an aspect of your character and assign it to each one of the staves in that bucket, maybe purity, uh, faithfulness, uh, devotion, uh, kindness—you know—you just fill in the blanks of all the different types of character. But if if the the rung of teachability is low, how much water can that bucket hold? It, it it's not going to rise to the other qualities of your life. You see, your lowest point of character is your highest point of capacity. It's your highest point of capacity. It, it, it's like the, the thing, it's the water level, level can never rise above that part of your life. And I found that if a person is teachable, they're reachable. There's no limit to how God can shape and form that person to use them for his glory and his purposes. You'll be a usable instrument in God's hands. The word disciple literally means learner, student. It's impossible to be a disciple of Jesus without being a learner, a student, a teachable person that he can use. And I found that the best learners make the best teachers, And the best disciples make the best disciple makers. You'll be a usable instrument. The last thing is that you will make a long-term impact for good. Teachable people make a very long-term impact for good. Now, all of us will have a long-term impact. The people that you love your family, your friends, the closest people, you're going to leave an impact on them. No doubt. All of us have some stories of people that are close to us or that were close to us and they made a mark on us and not every one of those marks is good. But if you wanna leave a long-term impact for good, it's going to require teachability. Verse 33 says it so beautifully. The fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches. And humility comes before honor. We could say it backwards. Honor comes after humility. If you want to leave a legacy of honor, if you want to make a long-term impact, it's going to take humility and teach ability and you will make a long-term impact. I read a story this week of a pastor who I guess he's probably in his 50s and he uh, would regularly have lunch with this man who was older, a man at this point was 78 years old and whenever this older man who had influenced him had impacted him as a leader, whenever they would gather, this older man would say, what is Jesus making really clear to you right now? Like, what's, what's he showing you? What's he teaching you? And then this older man would pull out his notebook and whatever this pastor would say, he would begin to take notes. He's like, oh, that's so good. I'm going yeah, to make note of that. And he said, it always blew me away because this man was so much better than me. He was so much godlier than me. And yet he's coming to me, asking me, what is God showing you? And he's taking notes. At 78 years of age, at their last lunch, when he was 78, that very year, the man passed away. To his last day, he was a teachable person. and he left a long-term impact. You'll be wiser. You'll have better relationships. You'll be a usable instrument in God's hands. You will make a long-term impact for good. And you'll never be able to do it without Jesus Christ at the sin of your heart. Hebrews 5:8 it says, although he was the son of God, he learned obedience by what he suffered. Have you ever thought about that before? Jesus, the co-eternal second person of the Trinity, came and he limited himself into a human body to walk among us, to go through the human experience like we do to be tempted in every way and to learn something humbles himself in Philippians 2 verse 8 taking the form of a servant and to every follower of his he says to us come and learn from me because I, Jesus, the second person, the Trinity, the the eternal one, I am humble. And if you will make Jesus the center of your life, if you will be teachable to him, then you will be teachable to those around you. So let's get practical. How would this look? Because many of you I know are believers. You're like, man, that's me. I love Jesus. And I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be a know-it-all. I don't want to be a pride. F- I, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to fail because I didn't listen to people's counsel. I, I, I know that you feel that way. So let's talk about how do we practically do this. The first thing is this. Ask. Ask rather than airing your opinion about everything, ask a question. Ask the question. The second thing, listen, listen. I was listening to a podcast and um, older pastor, loves working with young leaders. He's become a father figure to many leaders. And he said that he and his wife had gone to a gathering with some younger leaders, and they left, they were driving away, and they were both kind of sad. It's like we were grateful to be there, it was great, you know, but I was sad. And we articulated it together that no one asked us a question and listened. You know, every single person is. Th- is a wonder of God that has a story and experiences in and, and, and a unique wiring. And it's like every person is worthy of asking some questions and to listen. We have a friend named Jeremiah Morris who planted Seven Mile Road in Houston, incredible pastor, church planner, leader, evangelist. And he says the most powerful form of evangelism right now is this, listening. Because when you listen to a person, if you ask the questions and and understand them and listen, he said, they're they're going to show you their heart. If you listen closely, you're going to hear their heart and then you're going to know exactly what to share, to ask, to listen. The third thing, discern. Discern. Rather than dismissing the advice of another person. Discern it. Because being teachable doesn't mean that whatever someone says, you're like, well, I'm gonna do that, right? You get yourself in a lot of trouble if you live that way. (laughs) Don't do everything that you hear or that you read or that you see on YouTube, okay? Good life advice, but discern it. Because there's a way that we can spiritualize things away and we can say, well, whatever, God's bigger than all that. And we just spiritualize it away. We can get defensive. We can deflect. Well, that doesn't really apply to me or my situation. Don't do that. But do discern is what they're saying scriptural? Is it plausible? Is that person trustworthy? Does it lead me to greater trust in Christ, dependency on God? Is it in line with verse 33? The fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches. You discern it. You pray about it. Maybe widen the circle. Ask your house church leaders, hey, what do you think about this? Considering doing this. So ask, listen, discern. Lastly, act. Act on what God teaches you through the words of others, and through the word of God. Act on it, because to learn it is to integrate it into your life. I don't want to be the person praying, God, show me what to do, give me wisdom, give me guidance, and to have a whole church full of rowboats In motorboats, in helicopters, in people. If I would just ask and listen and discern and act, I could have been rescued from the flood. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.